So Money, episode 471, Catherine Alford, Mompreneur. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Great to have you. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. A friend of So Money is back today to talk about protecting one of the most high-anxiety investments many of us make, and that is college tuition. It's not cheap to go to university these days. I think the average student is graduating with over $30,000 in debt, and that's just the debt. That's not the money that they've paid out of pocket to go to school. Catherine Alford is here. She was on So Money last summer, episode 113, if you want to check it out later. Back then, she was on the show to give details of her life as a personal finance blogger and aspiring entrepreneur. She was and is still the breadwinner and mom to two-year-old twins. How was she doing it? That was the scope of our conversation then. Fast forward a year, Kat is increasingly getting her work and message out there by collaborating with brands, doing tons more press. She was on Good Morning America not too long ago. And so she's become a major voice and influencer in the world of mom bosses. And she's on the show today to discuss her latest initiative in collaboration, working with Alliance Tuition Insurance, specifically sharing advice around protecting your college investment in the event that you or your kid needs to take a break due to an illness or injury. Not all tuition reimbursement plans work alike, and insurance in those cases can come to the rescue. Plus, Catherine has some exciting personal financial developments to share with us, like how having her husband finally out of medical school and working has been good for their relationship. Plus, moving to the Midwest from the East Coast and how that's affording them a bigger life. Here is Catherine Alford. Catherine Alford, welcome back to So Money. It's great to hear your voice again and going to be catching up with you a little bit on the show. I know. I'm so excited. It's great to talk to you. It's been a few months. It's been at least. And, you know, last time you were on, we were talking a lot about your personal journey as a mom of twins. At the time, your husband was in medical school. And so you were very much carrying the financials of the family. So you had a lot to share for for listeners about how to just manage all of that as a breadwinner, as a mom of twins, um, as a, a blogger and entrepreneur as well. So this time I'm catching you on a campaign. You're working with Alliance Tuition. And so we want to first talk about that partnership and how you're helping families save for college. Sure. Yes, I'm working with Alliance Insurance and it's actually tuition insurance. And um, this tuition insurance has been in existence since the 1930s. And then Alliance just started offering it in all 50 states this year. They started last year. And a lot of people don't know it exists. They ran a survey and 81% of people had never even heard of it. Yeah, and I've I- never heard of it. So tell me what is college sure. insurance? What how does it help you? Why do I why would I need it? Sure. Well, A lot of people don't realize that if your child gets sick or injured and has to leave college, they might not get their money back because colleges, it depends on which one, but you usually have until, you know, week six, week eight, week nine, whatever their policy is to drop out and get a refund for your tuition. If you go past that, 
you get in a car accident in week nine and your university is like, sorry, we already provide you with the education. You don't get a refund. And before, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. But now that college tuition has increased drastically, 70% since 2000. Now, a lot of parents are considering this tuition insurance. And that's why we're trying to spread the message. Because basically, if your child has to drop out due to illness or injury, the insurance will kick in and you will they will pay back your, you know, your tuition money up to certain amounts. There's a couple different levels of the Mm -hmm. insurance. And um, the same survey that found that a majority of parents didn't even know what tuition insurance was found that 55% of students are going to graduate. Only 55% of students will graduate in six years. So that's a lot of kids that aren't graduating. Um, and, and then just to reiterate, what are the circumstances where this would protect you? It has to be like for an injury. Sure. So they'll reimburse your college costs when a student has a serious illness or injury. Mm -hmm. They will also cover mental illness. If you have to leave for a mental illness, as long as you have a hospital stay, two night hospital stay. Mm -hmm. And then they have the highest level of their insurance, which is the most expensive, but that will cover you for any unforeseen reason. But they will not cover you if you drop out due to you know, bad grades or drug addiction. Um, There are some outlying circumstances, like if you have a serious, like catastrophic football injury or something like outside of the normal realm of getting meningitis or getting in a car accident. But um, I would definitely encourage parents to to call and speak with them and sort of figure out what's covered and what's not. And all the, the three different levels, obviously, as you spend a little bit more, you get a lot more protection. Right. And we're seeing a lot of students um, already in college. This is for those families, it's a little too late to sign up. But could you sign up uh, next year before school starts? Absolutely. So the great thing about this is it isn't year by year. It's actually semester by semester. Okay. Anyone who's listening to this and is interested and is like, oh my gosh, I didn't get that in the fall semester. As long as you buy it before your child starts school in January, uh, you can do that. And I shouldn't even be saying parents because students, if they're putting the bill for college themselves with their own student loans, they can also buy this for themselves. Got it. So whoever is financing it, um, how much does it cost? Is it nominal enough where it's totally worth it or it's really still a consideration? Because we just talked about how expensive college is. This is just an added cost. So I can see where parents would say, you know what, we just can't can't do it. We're going to take the risk. Right, exactly. Well, luckily there are those three different levels and the lowest level is only $30 for the semester. And that will give you up to $2,500 back. Mm. And the middle level is a little more than 1% of the tuition. And that will give you up to $50,000 back. And so a lot of people go with that middle, that middle level. Any sense of how often this gets redeemed? Um, I actually don't have those numbers on me, mm-hmm. how often it gets redeemed. But I would, if it was me and I had two kids in college. Which you will one day. Oh, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> we both will have kids in college at the same time. <laughs> but um, I would, if, if it's affordable and you don't mind spending the 1% of the college tuition, I would re, I would renew it every semester. You never know what happens. When mm-hmm. I 
moved into my college dorm at Tulane. It was Hurricane Katrina. It was literally evacuation day for Katrina. Then I promptly moved out, turned around and left. And so you just, you never know what's going to happen. You, you would think that college students are young and healthy and they're at the prime of their lives, but I, I wouldn't see a reason to not renew it each semester. It kind of reminds you of disability insurance where, um, it seems like similarly this what qualifies as a mental illness is very broad, you know, or or any illness rather is, is very broad. It could be physical, it could be mental, you know, depression is a huge problem on camp college campuses and it forces a lot of kids to take time off. So I wonder if that if you're prone to that, um this could be a real Last year, 100,000 students got wow. mental health treatment, and one in 10 of them ended up hospitalized for psychiatric reasons. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so at least first check with your institution, your university, your college right. to understand what would be qualified for – how in what case would you might, you might be qualified for a reimbursement or um, just maybe a pass. And then sure, you can just come do your that. research. Know what you're getting yourself into. I mean this is one of the biggest – purchases, investments, I should say, that you're going to make aside from your house and your car. If you've saved for 18 years for your kid to go to college and you're going to spend a hundred thousand plus on it, it's, it pays to know, to make sure that that money goes to educate your child. So yeah, I think that's definitely the first step is just figuring out what the policies are at your child's university. Well, with any other big ticket purchase, whether it is a, an engagement ring uh, which we know now there's insurance for that. There's insurance for your artwork. There's insurance for, um, you know, lots and lots of big, your wedding, you know, your wedding event. Also, there's wedding insurance. So I think people celebrities are, can insure their body parts. I mean, <laughs> there's that you can insure pretty much anything. But I guess the point is, if you're going to make this big ticket expense, um, you might want to look at some safeguards uh, sure. to protect that investment. Very, very smart. Okay, so let's move on to the fact that you are, reminder, a mom of two, and they're only like three years old now, right? Barely. Yeah, they're they're two, almost two and a half. Almost so two and a still, half. Still little turkeys, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So are you saving for college and how are you doing it? I am. I'm actually um, saving for them in a custodial account, and I haven't moved to the 529 plans or anything like that just yet because my thought is that I will be able to cash flow college with our income or save a little bit more as they get older. But right now, I'm putting all the money they get from their grandparents and and money they get from us. I try to match what grandparents send them each holiday and birthday. And I just kind of wanted them to have an account that they could use for whatever they wanted, whether it's a down payment on a house, if they want to do something outside the norm, like do a study abroad trip, they want to start a business, buy a car. I just kind of wanted them to have a pile of cash there that's not restricted by to use on education. But in the future, I might, you know, move towards those more traditional college savings plans. Sure. Once you understand what kind of kids you've raised and what their goals are, are you one of those parents that's okay if your kid says, mom, I don't think I want to go to college? I mean, I can't imagine them not going to college with two parents who are so educated. I just can't imagine them not. But at the same time, you see so many entrepreneurs and business owners who do really well and they start really young. I mean, I'm I'm saying right now that I'm flexible, but I'm I'm sure they're going to go that tradition 
traditional route. Like I want, I want them to, and I'm sure they will, but I guess you never know. You never know, but I think a lot does come down to family values. And if you're, you know, you're both college educated, your husband's, you know, obviously went to medical school. Um, So it's important in the Alford uh, family, but uh, you never know. I know. Oh, if someone's really good at, you know, if my daughter's really exceptional at ballet and then you would join a company at Mm -hmm. at 18 instead of go to school and go to college later. I mean, I'm just trying to, to not force it. We'll see. They can barely string three words together right now. So I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So So a custodial account, is that different from a brokerage account? It is essentially a brokerage account. It's just, it's for minors. They, it's in my name and their name and they will get access to it at age 18. So it is being invested in things other than, you know, just. Exactly. It's invested in mutual funds. Oh, good. Okay. So it's being a little bit more aggressive than like just a. No, it's it's not like in a savings, savings account. account. It's invested. It's just they don't have to use it for educational expenses. They could use it to buy a car if they wanted to at age 18. Got it. Okay. Um, so you've had a lot of life changes in the last year. Yes. Your husband's now a doctor. You've had some financial relief in the household, hopefully not uh, shouldering all of it on your own. Um, how has the transition been? You've moved as well. Tell us some of the life changes and how you're affording them. Sure. I mean, with any any transition is both good and bad. There's always the challenges to moving an entire family to another state. And for us, we moved from New Jersey to Michigan. Financially, I I feel so much more relaxed, Farnoosh. I mean, for five years, because my husband did an MPHMD joint program. So for five years, he was in school and we had kids and I was shouldering all of the financial responsibility. It was very stressful for me. And even though residents don't get paid a lot, I mean, it's pretty much public record. On average, residents get paid around $50,000 a year. It's still just so nice to know that one person has a steady paycheck. And you know, Farnoosh, I was paying around $8,000 a year for health insurance for us. And now he has health insurance with his job. And so I instantly got another $8,000 raise. So I feel a lot better. And yeah, we're just adjusting to the new schedule. The fact that he's working 80 plus hours a week. And, you know, we're just trying to, I'm trying to find my socks right now. (laughs) I got everyone else moved in. You know, we still have some boxes to unpack. And uh, no, I mean, I'm, I think we're finally in a good place. You know, you work so hard to get to this point. And we're here in, in four more years, we'll be an even better financial position. And so, yeah, we just, we just keep working. We just keep trucking over here. And your brand has really blossomed in the last year. Um, you've revamped your website a little bit. You're working with brands. Tell us about your own entrepreneurial growth. And I think that's pretty remarkable given that, you know, as a breadwinner, mom of two, hustling, you managed <laughs> to really focus well on your own brand cultivation and growth. Absolutely. And when I first started my blog, it was called Budget Blonde. And it was about this, you know, young grad student on a budget who's about to get married. And it's just I've become a professional person in my space in the personal finance space over the last six and a half years. And I wanted my blog to reflect that. And so actually, you are wonderful. You gave me such great advice when I went through the rebrand process, rebranding everything under my name making sure that everyone who came to my website knew knew that I was appealing to women who wanted to learn more about money and who possibly wanted to start their own businesses. And a lot of it was just cleaning up my blog. I deleted 400 posts and just anything that old and didn't relate to 
my new message, my new brand. But yes, we have an amazingly gorgeous website. And I think because the site looks more professional, because each article is more professional and less like, here's what I bought at Target today. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a little bit, I'm treating it more like a business before it was a hobby that grew into a business. And I'm treating it as it, uh, 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 I'm treating it like what it is, which is a professional business. And I think brands have started to notice that. And now when they go to the site, it doesn't say budget blonde with all this like hot pink stuff. I and mean, there's still pink there, but you know, it looks real. <laughs> it, looks it, it looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should do a post if you haven't already on, and I'm sure you have sort of talked about this to your audience because it's a, it's, it was a very, Mm-hmm. big transition that you made publicly, but you know how you went from blogger to businesswoman for sure. real, you know, sure. and how it starts with how you introduce yourself online and your oh. website is such in, invaluable real estate. And I even think that my site, I'm going to go through a little bit of a rehaul this year, I think, because while I love my site and it was, um, I think I go through a transition every few years of kind of reformatting and I, I'm still getting inquiries from people that assume that I will do things for free. And yeah. well, and, I don't think like big things. Away. Like I mean, I'm I'm all for doing things with charity and, you know, oh, pro bono yeah. when it makes sense, but like to fly across the country and speak to your huge organization and you have no budget, it's like yeah. am I putting forth the wrong message on my site that I'm free for hire? No, I don't think that you're broadcasting. Well, it, it's, you know, you get enough inquiries like that, you start to wonder, it, yeah. you know, maybe um, I need to be a little bit more, you know, transparent on the site about, you know, what my priorities are. And my priorities at this point are not to work for free. And, you know, people will always try to get you for nothing. Uh, But I think that you need to sometimes evaluate your messaging. And um, maybe I got to just, you know, use some different uh, messages on my website or just, you know, be more more forthcoming about what it is I want to do. That says, I charge a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't free at the very least. Don't even ask unless you have a lot. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have to be a lot, but like, please, you know, let's, let's, let's find a happy medium. Um, But I, yeah, it's hard for digital entrepreneurs anywhere. I mean, anyone who has some aspect of their business that is digital, it's hard because there's so many free blog posts flowing and there's so many people who want to get into something. They will fly across the country and speak just right, to get it. Right. Yeah, but, certainly. Yeah. I did that at one point in my career. Sure. I would have done that. I would have jumped at opportunities like that 10 years ago. But yeah. I think um, you do that so that one day you don't have to do exactly. that. Exactly. You, you have a family. You don't need to fly anywhere unless someone's actually sending you a paycheck for it. I recently read an article about how becoming a parent helped a a woman really grow her business because it creates uh, a clarity. It gives you clarity on what is what your what your do's and your don'ts are. And I found that when I became a parent, I not only started to demand more for my time, but I also became very fluent in saying no to things that I may have before said yes, because it either was not a good use of my time. It wasn't, um, you know, worth the time, my money, the money wasn't there. Um, what have you found to be some of the uh, new rules to your business as since becoming a parent, especially not just to one child, but to twins? Right. I, I would love to read that article because I can relate to that. And, you know, I'm a middle child, so I'm all about, you know, people pleasing, reducing the tension, you know, that's a typical middle child thing. And 
I have really overcome that in the last few years. And just like you, I've had to say no to a lot of things. And actually, right now, I'm not accepting any new writing clients for the first time in over six years. I must get two or three inquiries a week. And even though I know, hey, I could get paid a couple hundred dollars for a post and it probably wouldn't take me that long. It's just for me, it's the headspace Mm -hmm. and knowing that I need to focus on my own brand because to me, clients can come and go, but I'm the best person who can work for myself. And I need to spend the time and carve out the time to work on my, I'm happy to work for myself for free because it will lead to something. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, with the kids and with my business rebrand that happened last year, I would say just more of a a focus inward on my own business and trying to be cognizant of the client work that I take on uh, when it comes to writing, at least very time intensive writing projects. And client work, like the work you're doing with Alliance is, it takes time to develop those relationships. You have to be proactive, plant seeds, negotiate. These things don't necessarily come to us, you know, sometimes they fall in our lap, but but most times it's really about us putting the hard work in ahead of time and being proactive. And that you can't do when you're doing five to 10 writing assignments a week. Exactly. And absolutely, this relationship with Alliance, I mean, I reached out to them several months ago, and they are such a huge company. They're a global company that's been around 120 years. And so they have many different sectors, and they offer many different types of insurance. So I traveled a lot in the beginning of the year and worked with them on some travel insurance posts. And you know, when you do a good job and you work hard and you you get that message out in a, a nice and creative way, companies want to continue working with you because you you do good work. So mm-hmm. you know, this is once in the making, and I do think a lot of people look at entrepreneurs or public figures and they say, "Gosh, you know, they get everything, or they get the biggest jobs, or they work with the biggest companies." But it takes years and years and years to work to get to a point like this, for sure. What's next for you? What do you want to do in the next year or two? Are you thinking that ahead? And, you know, as you have more time now to reflect on what's how to grow the business, what are your goals? Well, I want to find my socks is the first thing. <laughs> I want to have just give up on that. You'll never yeah, find the other I, I really, I really want to find my stuff and I want to get my office set up. I have a whole entire upstairs to my house to myself for my, I'm doing a lot of uh, video content creation. I'd like to add to that. It's really fun. Um, but it's going to continue to be updating my website. Like I said, we deleted 400 posts and now it's going to be a real focus on that passive income that isn't really passive because it takes a lot of work to get there with affiliate posts and working with larger companies and in trying to find that balance. And I would like to, within the year, anyone can come to my website and go to any post and it's really good and solid, a thousand plus words, lots of good information, lots of good recommendations. And I would just like, I'm just kind of cleaning up shop over there. And again, that will you know, make me uh, well poised to, to work with other brands in the future. So yeah, that's, that's the goal keep on keeping on and trying to adjust to this, this schedule as far as like my husband and my family goes and just try to like keep my energy up and stay positive and keep working through it. It's tough, but it is tough. Well, you know, I wrote the book on female breadwinners and I'm just curious now that there's a little bit more balance financially in your household. How has that helped you, um, in your relationship with your husband? And also, you know, just from a, we've talked, you already said that it's been a nice stress relief, but has it helped your marriage? 
I think so. Well, I think he is happier now because you know, he went to med school after being in the workforce for a few years. So he's 32 years old as an intern. And so I think for him, just from like a manliness and masculinity perspective, I think he feels good contributing something. It never really bothered him that I made more than him. I still make probably around three times more than him right now. But it doesn't bother him. But I think he's just happier. He feels like he's contributing. He feels like, all right, I might be a resident, but I'm I'm a physician now. I'm not in school anymore. And I think he's going to feel even better and more confident in four years when he's actually a practicing physician. And then maybe we'll even out a little bit. <laughs> then maybe he can make more than me. I don't know. But the, the goal is that we, we work together and um, we actually do have all completely joint accounts. So it's never really been his or hers. It's just mm-hmm. all kind of goes in the same pot. And um, But yeah, I, I think he feels great that he's contributing and that has helped, I think. And I think to look back on your journey as a couple when you first discovered that you were going to have twins and I remember reading about your... Yeah kind of crisis moment, you know, that you weren't sure how it was all going to work with him in school and now you're parenting financially, time-wise. Yep. Um, looking back on these last now, it's probably been, what, four years or so? Yep. Five years. Um, what would you say got helped you thrive through those years? Were there some best practices, advice you would give to couples who are facing similar futures? Yeah, I mean, I think that my husband and I were just incredibly supportive of each other. I have spoken to so many women who want to start their businesses, but their husbands are like, but you're, you're taking care of our kids. Like that's your job. You're stay at home mom. And they might want to do things. Um, my husband's grandmother, she was a, um, she worked in the cafeteria of an elementary school her whole life. And she had the opportunity to go and, um, take a little class to become a manager of the cafeteria. And her husband went in a letter. And then always kind of stuck with my mother-in-law. And and these are all the messages that kind of trickle down. And so I think the idea is that you have to support each other. My husband is like the one that makes me invest in my business. I'm like, I don't want to spend the money. I'm the more frugal one. He's like, no, this is going to pay off. Spend the $10,000, you know, whatever it is, do the course, do the coaching, do the website revamp. It's going to pay off. And so, and I'm supportive of him. I mean, the other day I thought he was going to be home at 530, but someone came into the ER bleeding right when he was about to leave. And he ended up being delayed for another two hours. She had to go into surgery. So, you know, I'm the one over here that's like, I can't wait for him to get home so I can give these children to someone else. And, you know, then I have to wait two hours. And, you know, it's, it's just trying to get through the tough moments and know that we've worked so hard to get to this point. And if we just keep working hard and we keep working together, then the rewards are going to be even greater as the years go by. I know 10 years from now, we're both going to be really successful. Our incomes, we're going to be very comfortable. Our children are going to be well taken care of and it will be worth it, but we're still kind of in the middle of it. So we keep fighting through. So I would just say (laughs) a lot of support of each other, try to support each other in their dreams. If your spouse wants to do something, try to help them do it. Like don't, don't crush it, you know, help them along. And patience. It sounds like you each have a lot of patience. You have a lot of patience. Ah, yes. Wine helps, you know, when it gets to that five <laughs> or six o'clock hour, poor little bit, you know, it helped you get through the rest. So. And since we last spoke, you've moved to Michigan. You were in New Jersey, New York area, which I assume was a lot more expensive. So has that transition, at least financially and the cost of living been helpful? Oh, yes, I I think so. Um, We were able to buy a house here because it's just 
so much more affordable here in Michigan. And yeah, the costs are lower. Just getting groceries is so much less expensive here. So yeah, I think overall, this four years will be a good opportunity for us to really pay down some of that med school debt and get on really good financial footing to prepare for the big income jump when he is no longer a resident. And do you think you'll move back? What do you think of so yeah, far? What, what's your take on the I Midwest? Want to go back to New York. I want to be by you. Like, I, <laughs> I look at Zillow all the time. I'm like, Upper West Side Apartments, Brooklyn Apartments. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just try to motivate myself. Like, you got to work hard. You have to start building up a big chunk of change to move back to New York. But I just loved it there so much. And I mean, who knows? I mean, I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be near New York in the first place. But yeah, we'll see. Well, I respect you so much and I do hope you make it back here. Yeah, but also remember that, you know, so many people have said on this show, those who have retired early or have amassed millions of dollars at young ages, they, they attribute a lot of that to location sure, and being yeah, able to true. save money. You don't become a millionaire at 40. Now, well, I mean, unless you work for a hedge fund or something right. in New York City, right. um, you know, it's mostly or on the coasts, you know, forget Cal, you know, California, New York, but uh, it's people who choose specifically to live in, you know, d- areas where the cost right. of living is much less. You can get to that finish line a lot faster. But, you know, it depends on what your goals are. I don't think your husband's going to be retiring at 40 or you will either. So, no, nope. I think it's, uh, I don't think we have a big plan for that. We, <laughs> you know, we like working and feeling productive. I don't know what I would do in an RV going across the country. I really don't. So. <laughs> Um, and I also want to, I also say, like, I have so much respect because you, between your transition of moving to, to the Midwest, you had a little bit of a break, like about a month. You took your family to Europe and traveled, uh, at two years old. I don't, I can't even take my son, you know, to the grocery store some days. So I'm, I, I need to, like, to read a page out of that book that you write one day. Right. Well, it was like 50% great and 50%, like, what were we thinking? That was a crazy idea. But, you know, we tried to make the best of it. It, it was basically real life our news you just moved it to a different location so you still had the the tantrums and the this and the that yeah. you also had the good moments too you just you know in europe in sweden and iceland is so. it kid friendly i hear it's actually more kid friendly in europe than in some parts of the Gosh. states i mean i actually was supposed to go to finland for a week but i stayed in stockholm sweden for an extra week because it was so amazingly kid friendly there was so much for the kids to do they loved it it was a beautiful place i i really want to go back um, and just stay there for a few weeks. And, and as the kids get older, there's so much for kids to do. Good to know. All right. Kat, thank you so much. Ellie, get back to parenting. I know your kids are, you're multitasking today. Right. You're my hero. And tell us where we can learn more about Alliance and the college tuition insurance. Sure. Well, you would go to alliancetuitioninsurance.com and it's spelled A-L-L-I-A-N-Z. All right. We'll do. Thanks for the good information. Good luck, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Arnoush. That is a wrap. Thanks so much, Catherine, for stopping by again. For more information about Alliance Tuition Insurance, go to alliancetuitioninsurance.com. Easy to remember. And Catherine's new website, katherinealford.com. All this info back at somoneypodcast.com, where you can leave a comment for the episode. You can download the episode, read the transcript, and of course, leave me a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there. Pop me your biggest, baddest money question, and I'll answer it on the upcoming Friday episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. So money.